Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Kelly. <laughs> Carrie can't talk because she's laughing. <laughs> we haven't even started yet and she's already laughing. <laughs> Kelly just said something funny right while the introduction is going and she just made me crack up. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just kind of make fun of our cover art picture. <laughs> you know, the one where we're hugging the tree? <laughs> because we're tree huggers. <laughs> Why do we love that tree so much? <laughs> Such a good tree. <laughs> So she's thinking we should change up our cover art. Can we really have a picture without the tree? No, I think the tree is it now. <laughs> Him talk, twin talk, tree talk. <laughs> oh. Oh, so before we uh, started recording, we did have hot fudge brownie sundays. <laughs> I know, so maybe we're a little like... Maybe we have a little bit of a sugar high. Sugar in us, yeah. <laughs> I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. Listen, we are just loving the time we're spending on social media. Yes. We actually did a post right before um, we started recording. We showed everybody our hot fudge brownie Sundays. Yep. Thank you for all of your love on social media. Yep. You've liked our post. You've shared our mm -hmm. post. You've retweeted. And you have found us. We are Him Talk Twin Talk. Talk. I think we have an exciting episode, Carrie. <laughs> Well, let's let the listeners decide. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it, it's true. If you want to look at the big picture, I mean, we are in the most exciting time of the Christian calendar right. year. Yesterday was Palm Sunday. Yes. And we are in Holy Week. Yes. So Palm Sunday is a big deal. So, I mean, most churches give out palms probably, yeah. and that's yeah. always fun. And, you know, even at our church, we tried to figure out year after year, okay, oh, let's give out the palms right at the beginning. But then, like, the kids are, like, smacking themselves with it. Of and, course. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, let's give it out at the end. But it's fun to wave them during singing. So we're yeah. always trying to kind of figure out how we're passing out the palms. This year, you know, because of COVID and all the yeah, restrictions, it's different. it's different again. I was really excited about it because we were able to put palms outside. Mm -hmm. And so our church family could drive by anytime that day and pick one up. Right. And what's really awesome is people just in the town, anyone, anyone can walk by, could come by and grab mm -hmm. a palm. And we had a little QR code yeah. so that people could find out what Palm Sunday was all about if Actually, they didn't know. Let's share that with our listeners. Yes, absolutely. Let's, we'll put that little video that was attached to the yes. QR code. Yeah, and so you can see what we made for um, the people who picked up the palms. Yeah, yeah, so it was a fun day. So many churches have different traditions. I mean, I think handing out palms is probably like universal. Yeah. Most churches do that. Hey, if you have some Palm Sunday traditions that you want us to know about, let us know on social media. Send us an yeah. email. We could start a hashtag. Palm, Palm Sunday, Sunday tradition. tradition. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a couple that I read about, and I thought they were so interesting. Oh, okay. So in England and Scotland, okay. tradition has it that you keep a hard pee in your shoe okay. as penance during Lent. It's supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable, a little painful. It's supposed to remind you, wow. you know, of our sin. Okay. And then apparently on Palm Sunday, you are to have pea soup. What? Mm-hmm. 
And Are you taking the pee out of the shoes? It says not necessarily <laughs> using the pee that was in your shoe for five weeks. <laughs> you know, we actually have quite a few listeners in England. So I see the downloads come in from mm-hmm. a town called Woking. Okay. W-O-K-I-N-G. And another town called Westerham. Mm. And these are in England. Hey, if you are listening from Woking or Westerham, <laughs> can you please let us know about this whole pee thing? Yeah, we want to know. And um, and in Latvia, they don't really have palms, palm trees. So they actually call it Pussy Willow Sunday. Nice. <laughs> now, do you remember those Pussy Willows from when you were a kid? Of course. They would give them out to the to the children. And in fact, they would say that parents would wake their kids up with like pretend swats, you know, Aww. in their in their bed. Wake up, yeah. wake up with the Pussy Willows. That's, That's Latvia. Uh, one final trick. Tradition also yeah. in England okay. dates all the way back to the Middle Ages. Oh. And that is that the churches would hand out small biscuits to the people and they were called pax cakes. Pox cakes. Mm. Do you know what pox means in Latin? Is it peace? Yeah, it's peace cakes. And the clergymen would utter something like, you know, for for the good God and the good neighborhood. And they would hand them out. And um, you know, eventually they also were given a glass of beer. <laughs> I wonder if the Pax cakes was so dry. (laughs) They needed the beer to wash it down. Yeah. So now the biscuit would have the image of a lamb and a flag, which represented Jesus and peace. Oh, okay. Yeah, peace cakes. And it's and I guess churches in central England near Herefordshire. Okay. Actually, still continue the practice. So that dates all the way back to the Middle Ages. Okay. So speaking of the Middle Ages, I mean, they would have these processionals through the town. You would be almost like reenacting the processional of Jesus. So there would be a man playing Jesus. Right. And he would be on a donkey. On a donkey. And all the people would be lining the streets, waving their palms. Right. The tradition would go, Carrie, that they would get to the gates Mm -hmm. and a choir of children would begin to sing. Mm. And then the people in the the crowd would sing. Mm -hmm. And only when that song was over would the gates to be opened and then the procession made its way to the cathedral for the celebration of the Mass. So this was all before Before. church started. Right. Can you imagine? How much fun that would be. That would be so fun. I mean, how do you top that on Easter Sunday? I know. What kind of procession is there? I mean, there would have to be something even huger. Right. Huger? Huger? Huger. (laughs) It would have to be a big deal on Easter. Well, you know, I thought that these processions just sounded so Mm -hmm. cool. I mean, I I wish we could do something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, have all the townspeople just out gathering the streets like a parade. Right, like a parade. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, there is a story that dates back to the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. to this Palm Sunday processional. Now, we're not sure it's true. It's been referred to as a legend. Oh. It's also been referred to as an apocryphal story. Ooh. Apocryphal? What's that? <laughs> apocryphal. That's a word. I mean, it's, it sounds like a really important word. Yeah. It yeah. just means it's of dubious origins. Oh, so it might not be true. But it could be true. Okay, so what's the story? Well, the story is all about today's hymn. Oh, so I guess we need to tell people if they haven't figured it out already. So today's hymn is... All All Glory, Laud, and Honor. honor. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! So back when this was first written, the man who wrote it was named Theodolf, Theodolf of Orleans, and he was actually in prison. Oh. No, this is the legend. This is the the apocryphal story. (laughs) But he is in prison. It is Palm Sunday, and King Louis was part of this Palm Sunday processional. They went by the prison where Theodolf is being held, and from 
Outside, they could hear Theodolf singing this song. All, All glory, laud, and, and honor. honor. They could hear him singing. King Louis loved it. He stopped the processional so he could hear it. He was so moved by this hymn that he freed Theodolf instantly and decreed that the singing of All Glory, Laud, and Honor should happen on all subsequent Palm Sundays. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know. What was he in prison for? Do we know? Well, there's a whole story about Theodolf that we'll get into. Okay. And uh, that's one reason why I don't think it's true, because I don't think King Louis showed him any mercy in his life. Oh. However, he did not end his life in prison. So he could have been imprisoned for a short time, and then, you know, King really? Louis did allow him to leave. But he spent um, the end of his life in exile. Oh. Yeah, so oh. he was not allowed in the court or in the wow. churches. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that story is true. Well, I actually think that every subsequent Palm Sunday after that, we ha- have sung All Glory, Law, and Honor. I mean, in one language or another, right. in one church or somewhere, it has to have been sung. I couldn't imagine a Palm Sunday at our church without singing it. Really? Right? Could you? Well, I mean, I sort of feel like, do we go back and forth, like, Hosanna, loud Hosanna, and then I All mean, Glory, Law, and Honor? Maybe one at the beginning, one at the end. Yeah. I yeah. usually do it's, try to sing it. Okay. Yeah. It's a great song. So maybe we should just read this passage from Mark where Jesus is entering the city on that Palm Sunday. I mean, you maybe all heard it on Sunday. Yes, maybe you all heard it this week. Um, But, you know, I think it would be a nice idea to read it. This is the actual hymnspiration for this hymn. It is the Bible story. That's all it is. Yeah. All right, right, so what are you going to read? So I'm going to read Mark 11, 1 through 11. There it is. You can read along if you'd like, Mark 11, or just listen. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the Twelve. And that's the first ever Palm Sunday. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's all. That's the reason why we call it Palm Sunday, because they were waving palm branches right. and putting them on the ground. And if they weren't palms that they were doing, I mean, it just could have been like Jesus's entry Sunday right, or, right. or, you know, triumphal arrival Sunday. Yeah. yeah. yeah but but we, or well. donkey Sunday. <laughs> I actually think that's a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Donkey Sunday. (laughs) All right. So let's look at the words. Right. It's so neat because not often does a 
a him just tell the full story of one instance mm -hmm. and include all sorts of fun details. There's right. a lot of details in here that that are included that you know that a hymn writer didn't have to. You know, I think of Oh Holy Night. Right. So Oh Holy Night is a beautiful song that captures this one night mm -hmm. in a, in many details. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful song. This is like that except it's Palm Sunday. Right. So let me play the music. Okay. So the music was not by this Theodolf. No. This no. music was by Melchior. I'll play his tune and you can read the words, okay. Kelly. Okay. I'll read them. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal son, who in the Lord's name comest, the King and Blessed One. The company of angels are praising thee on high, and mortal men and all things created make reply. The people of the Hebrews with palms before thee went. Our praise and prayer and anthems before thee we present. To thee before thy passion they sang their hymns of praise. To thee now high exalted our melody we raise. Thou didst accept their praises, accept the praise we bring, who in all good delightest, thou good and gracious King. So Kelly, this is really a hymn. This falls into the category mm -hmm. hymn. I mean, we've talked about hymns, gospel songs, missionary songs. I know, I know. This is definitely a it's hymn. It's totally a hymn. There's no repetition. No. Every verse stands on its own mm -hmm. with its own set of words. Right. When churches follow the church calendar, mm -hmm. which, you know, not all churches do, they following the first Sunday of Advent, the mm -hmm. ordinary time, you know, a lot of churches do follow yeah. that. This hymn is would be sung on Palm Sunday, of course, and the fourth Sunday of Advent. Wow. The last Sunday of Advent, this song would be sung. I find it really interesting. I mean, I can't imagine a Palm Sunday going by without it. But I also kind of don't picture it singing it at another time of year. Yeah, I can't imagine it being sung at Advent. Right. But it's singing about Jesus Christ coming. Mm. And it actually says, the company of angels are praising thee on high. Right. So, you know, when did we hear about angels singing? Right. It was Christmas. Right. And I love that. And we could actually sing it on Ascension Sunday. Oh, wow. Ascension Sunday is just another high, glorious day right. praising Jesus. Because it says in verse 3, to thee now high exalted, our melody we raise. Mm -hmm. It's kind of pointing to the future. Mm -hmm. He is highly exalted. Right. Um, and I love that. The other thing that I think is really clever about these words, and, you know, how clever was Theodolf to do this, is that he mixes the past and the present. And we talked about that last week mm -hmm. with that whole concept of anamnesis, bringing right. the past to the present. But you can see it here in black and white, uh -huh. uh, especially in verse 2 and mostly in verse 3. Yeah. In verse 2, it says, it tells what happened on Palm Sunday. The people of the Hebrews with palms before thee went. That happened way back when. Mm -hmm. Next line. 
our praise and prayer and anthems before thee we present. Now it's present tense. Right. We're doing what they did back then. Yes. We, yeah. He immediately brings it to the present mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And then verse 3. To thee before thy passion, they sang their hymns of praise. And then in the present day, to thee now high exalted our melody we raise. Thou didst accept their praises. Accept the praise we bring. But yeah, so it's definitely like Theodolf, when he wrote it, he wanted to tell the story of what happened, but he also wanted to tell what is currently happening. Right, and yeah. I love that. That is so clever. And so, you know, when you when you talk to people about Jesus and it's like, oh, that was a good story from the past. You know, right. that was a long time ago. Right. That has nothing to do with me right now. Are you kidding? It has everything right. to do with us right now. We are singing his praises right now, except our praise that we're bringing. Right. And like we're continuing the tradition. Right. When you just look at something that has been going on for this long. Right. Where centuries people have been praising God and doing this exact same thing on Palm Sunday. Right. And one of the reasons that hymns are so important to us mm-hmm. and that we want to keep hymns alive mm-hmm. is because it's connecting us mm-hmm. to not just God and Jesus. It's connecting us to the people who've gone before mm-hmm. us, who've done the same things, who've sung the same words. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're all united, even though we're centuries apart. Right. I love that. And the hymn is all about singing praise right. and giving praise and glory. And I love that children are included. I know. So it's, not many hymns, Carrie, include children <laughs> no. in the text. No. So they're telling us what happened then. Mm-hmm. Children were singing. Right. And then, of course, we need to be doing that same thing. Right. And getting our children involved in the worship and in singing and praising God. Right. And, you know, this is not a children's hymn. I would look at this and think that there would be no children who would really want to sing it. Right. And even you know are able to sing it it has a pretty big range right um you know it's not really a children's song but what i found interesting is that some alternate tunes you know we love the alternate tunes <laughs> we do have some melodies that i think are geared more for children okay so i found an 1870 hymnal oh wow so this is well after theodolf mm-hmm. The hymnal was actually called Sunday School Songs, a new collection of hymns and tunes specially prepared for the use of Sunday schools and for social and family worship. So we're looking at a <laughs> hymnal that I think is being used in teaching children. Right. It's in Sunday school. So they have All Glory, Lot and Honor, but it's a different tune. And I look at this tune and it has like kids' voices written all over. Okay. It. It's in six eight time. Wow. <laughs> so we've changed our time signature and it's they've added a refrain. Okay. So it's again giving us that little bit of a structure that's more repetitive so that kids can learn it easier. And it's very singable. Do you want to show it to them? I say we show it to them. Let's sing one verse of it. Okay. And I'm curious if anyone knows this tune, because right. we don't. No, I've never heard this tune, but it has this almost playful quality to right. it. I can hear that kids would sing it. Okay. All right. All glory, Lord, and honor to the Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Glory to Jesus, our gracious King. Glory to Jesus, we will ever sing. 
song. And so that refrain, glory to Jesus, our gracious king, is sung with every verse. Right, I love they that. They give them a nice little refrain, mm-hmm. and it just makes it a little bit easier to sing. I love it. All right, let's do one more. I found another one. Okay. It's the tune that goes with Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Oh, right. I love when this happens. I know. This okay. is always a little bit of a challenge for me, but I have the music <laughs> I know. Right you now. have the music. I have You're the gonna music. Be it's You're going to be fine. Okay. Okay, so why don't we do verse two of this one? Okay, yes, yes, yes. It had done verse one of the All other right, one. This is the one about the company of angels. The company of angels are praising thee on high, and mortal men and all things created make reply. The people of the Hebrews with palms before thee went. Our praise and prayer and anthems before thee we present. Yeah, that's a great tune. And it's not like super childlike. No. But it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And it definitely has a less solemn feel to it. Right. It's, you know, all glory, laud, and honor, it definitely has kind of a serious musical tone. Right. Even though, you know, they're celebrating and it's definitely uplifting and just huge shouts of praise. Mm-hmm. Musically speaking, it's definitely a little bit more serious. I mean, do you want to talk about the I tune? Know, the tune a little bit. I think it's so interesting. And the marriage of tune and text for this is, I think, some unintended theological brilliance. Wow, unintended. Because I, the- I don't think the- they the- meant for this to happen. Okay. But the melody consists of these four four-bar phrases. Right. And the first eight measures are exactly a repeat. And the melodic phrase goes up, Carrie. It goes mm-hmm. up. It ascends. This phrase that rises is full of hope and joy and anticipation and excitement. It's mm-hmm. going up and up and up mm-hmm. and up and up. And I feel like that's mirroring, you know, what what is what the people are experiencing. Right. You know, they're they're full of joy and excitement. They're shouting out their hosannas. It's full of excitement. Right. It's Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming. And you would almost expect a hymn about Jesus's triumphal entry that it would end, right. you know, in just the same most brilliant and, and upbeat way. Mm-hmm. The the last phrases in go in a descending pattern. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't have this big high note finish. If anything, it ends a little bit more sadly. Right. It's bringing everything mm-hmm. down at the end. And, and if you look at the story of Jesus mm-hmm. in the week that's to come, it starts high and big and brilliant. And, you know, then it foreshadows that this king right. was going to be humble enough to take up a cross. Right. So that opening phrase, mm-hmm. just sing that opening line. Okay. All glory, laud, and honor to the Redeemer King. I mean, right? That's right. this ascending pattern. Now do the last line. Who in the Lord's name comest, the King and Blessed One. Brings it way down. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. And, and like, well, that's why I called it kind of unintended, because the words in the tune matched years later. Right. And the, it wasn't written for these words. It right. just kind of happened. 
And I just think it's amazing. Right. So we should sing the whole thing. We should sing this because we haven't sung it yet. Now we sang the first verse to that childlike tune in 6-8. Right. Then we sang the second verse with the web tune with stand, stand, up, up. stand Up for Jesus. And now let's do the third verse. All right. All right. All glory, laud, and honor. Okay. Now this is the tune by Melchior. Yep. To thee before thy passion, they sang their hymns of praise. To thee now high exalted, our melody we raise. Thou didst accept their praises, accept the praise we bring. Who in all good delightest, thou good and gracious King. Super pretty. Palm Sunday has this dichotomy. Right. You know, we're praising him as king, but we also know that in just a, a few days, right. they're it going all, to crucify him. It all him. turns around. I know. Right. I know. So I actually think that the tune works perfectly for right. this. Right. So... We have spent so much time talking about the words and Palm Sunday. I mean, I, I really want to talk about this guy. The guy who wrote the words. From prison. From prison, <laughs> maybe. I mean, when we talk about him standing the test in time, oh. how it's this one. Okay, how about this guy? We don't even know when he wrote it. But no. we're thinking that it's around the year 820 by this Theodolf. He was a bishop in France. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have for him. Right. Just the name Theodolf. I actually call him Theo. <laughs> so Theo has this amazing story. And I feel like I spent way too much time learning and reading about him. I don't know if people are into like history that's right. way back. So I mean, far away. So far away. But let me just tell you a little bit about him. So he was a court scholar to King Charlemagne. He was incredibly important to the court. He was intelligent. He had social grace. They described him as having unusual charisma. He was proud. He was ambitious. Mm. And he was much admired during King Charlemagne's rule. Wow. Now, King Charlemagne divided the kingdom into three territories for his three sons. Charles, Mm -hmm. Pippin, Pippin, and and Louis. So Theo was like neutral to all three sons. He didn't show favorites or anything. Theo um, really thought that Charles would be the king. And he's actually, there's a quote that he said about Charles. He's the great salvation, O hope, O glory of the kingdom. Wow. Now, young Charles died in 811. King Charlemagne, at this point he was the emperor, he died in 814. Now, once Charlemagne died, Theodolf's position was like uncertain. What exactly was he going to do? Now, King Louis, the youngest son, is now king. Mm. Now, Louis basically purges the court of all those who had been most loyal to his father. Mm -hmm. He wants to be his own king and do his own thing. Now, some think that this was like a political act, like he wanted to establish his throne. But some say that it was like he was just a resentful, spiteful kid. Yeah. And he wanted to do his own thing. Right. So anyway. And the truth is probably a little bit of both, right? Right. So King Louis actually deposed Theo from his episcopacy and confiscated all his properties. Wow. That's a lot of big words. <laughs> wow. What's that? Episcopacy? Episcopacy. So you have to practice that. I think it's a great word. Come on. You want to say it, don't you? I do. Episcopacy. <laughs> 
crazy. So confiscated. It's another great word. (laughs) So basically, he's saying he can't be the bishop anymore. So no more bishop. Mm. So after he left King Louis, he was cast out of the kingdom. So there's a story that he had like this alliance with King Bernard of Italy. Now, this is Pippin's son. So this is King Louis's nephew. Right. Now, there was this, all this political stuff going on. And I mean, I really read a lot about it. But basically, <laughs> King Louis was establishing his authority. And then he was establishing um, who would follow him in line. And he was sort of giving out the titles and the territory and the kingdoms um, before he even died. And this was not done. This was right. a very strange thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. But there was some, like, territory that Bernard would have would have been entitled to. But oh. because, like, Louis was doing this, he wasn't going to ever get any more than just Italy. And, right. and so there was some hard feelings. But he was actually saying that God told him to do this, that this was wow. the word of the Lord mm-hmm. and he had to do it. Now, there's a quote. He said, the emperor had been selected, his authority confirmed as much by an act of God as by human endeavor. Mm. Yeah. So Louis was profoundly religious, but in the writings, Theo accused King Louis of empty piety and social disarray. So he was writing things against King Louis and his church. So anyway, the story is, is that King Bernard plans an act of rebellion. And King Louis was convinced that Theodolf had conspired with King Bernard. Theo was deposed, exiled to distant monasteries to perform perpetual penance, and he died soon after. So most scholars accept this account, that Theo had aligned with Bernard and was a traitor. But there's this whole theory that he wasn't a traitor, and he was simply a victim of an aggressive conspiracy that sought to remove him from his domain of power and authority. Now, there's no real proof that he had any loyalty to King Bernard in Italy. He actually wrote poems about the horrors of war and how it should be avoided. He said that Holy Scripture said to avoid war. It's hard to believe that he would then line himself up with King Bernard in an act of rebellion. He wrote during his exile to many people. He wrote these persuasive arguments through symbolism, through epic poems, through just personal letters, that he wasn't really exiled for any crime. He was simply exiled because of what he said about King Louis. And he never planned any kind of rebellion. Um, And then, you know, it's written that Louis was threatened by extraordinary self-reliant men. And he didn't want them to speak out against him. So he basically lived in exile. He traveled from monastery to monastery. So that story of him being in prison, could he have been in prison and then King Louis just exiled him outside of the kingdom? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. We don't even really know how he died. It was poison, illness. Oh, gosh. His remains were never found. And they, to this day, they do not know where he's buried. Do you think he's still alive? <laughs> Now, usually, you know, we just find these great little, you know, fun facts about our hymn writers. I know, I know. But I read the Journal of Medieval Latin. There was an article from 2006 called The Self-Defense of Theodolf of Orleans by June Ann Greeley. And I read this whole article about how maybe he didn't have anything to do with the rebellion and he should not have been exiled. 
Yeah, so that's definitely a little controversy. <laughs> well, that's a mystery right there. I know. And, yeah. I, you know, he wrote these beautiful I words. I actually think the fact that this hymn has stood the test of time is is almost a miracle in itself. Right, especially when you think that the church wouldn't have recognized right. Theodolf or right. his writings. Or his writings. So there's this poem that he writes, this hymn of praise mm-hmm. that he writes. We mm-hmm. don't know the music for it. No. And it is not till the late 1500s, right. early 1600s, when this German composer named Melchior Teschner writes a tune. And somehow the tune gets put together with the words. Mm-hmm. Now, what I always think is interesting, I mean, Theodolf's text had 39 yes. Latin couplets. Yes. And only the first 12 lines were sung in ancient liturgical use. So somehow they picked those 12. And then, of course, Melchior took those 12 right. and added his tune. Right. And this guy, Melchior, is just awesome. First of all, it's just an awesome name, right? What's his name? What's his full name? Melchior Teschner. And he was born in Fraustadt, which is now Poland, in 1584. And he was this brilliant man. I mean, even in the late 1500s, he studied philosophy, he studied theology, and he studied music at the University of Frankfurt. Okay. And he later studied at the universities of Helmstedt and Wittenberg in Germany. But, I mean, the biggest thing that he did was serve as the as a cantor mm. in a Lutheran church in Fraustadt. And then he ended up becoming ordained. So he was also a minister, a Lutheran minister. But what was awesome is that he was very, very musical. And if you look under his name, Carrie, there's tons of other German tunes. Wow. None that we know, you know, none mm. that has stood the test of time the way or, this one has. Well, maybe just they didn't make their way to America. I yeah. mean, in Germany, mm. I'd like to think that they're singing his songs. Yeah, yeah. Anybody from Germany out there <laughs> knows these? <laughs> so anyways, this Latin hymn mm-hmm. comes with this music from this man in Germany. Mm-hmm. And how does it come to America? How do we find it? How do we get it to be in English? Well, it is by our good friend... John, John Mason, Mason Neal. Yeah. Okay, we know him. We know him. He <laughs> <laughs> We know him. He also translated um O Come O Come Emmanuel. Awesome. Yes. We just talked to him about uh, talked about him a couple of months ago. Right, but we didn't talk about him all that much. No, we didn't. Because there was so much to dig. There was so yeah. much to do with that yeah. one. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about John Mason Neal. Okay. He was born on January 24th, 1818 in London. He was brilliant. I mean, he was very, very smart. He went to Trinity College, Mm -hmm. and people wrote about him and said that he was the most clever in his class. He was well-read. He actually started translating the classics at the age of 14. Wow. Yeah. There was a prize at Trinity College for for sacred poems, And this prize has been given out every year since 1750. And I looked at the list of winners and didn't recognize any of the names. But John Mason Neal won the prize 11 years. All right, wait a second. Did he translate poems or did he write poems? That's the thing, Carrie. He did everything. He wrote. He was a musician. Mm -hmm. He was a minister. He translated. By the end of his life, he was fluent in over 20 languages. What? Yes. I couldn't even name 20 languages. I know. And the thing that was the most interesting to, about him that I think yeah. is that he was really devoted to the high church tradition. Okay. And that wasn't the Church of England at the time. That was 
you know, the Catholic Church. Okay. And so the Church of England really didn't like the things that he was doing. He thought that pews were a worldly distinction. So when he got to one of his jobs, he took a hatchet <laughs> and he destroyed all of the pews. And Because he wanted people to stand or kneel? <laughs> he just opened benches. But he was also failing in health. He had, he had chronic lung problems. Right, I read that. And he ended up retiring and moving to, here's a fun fact, Penzance. <laughs> yes, he moved to Penzance. Now, he did not become a pirate. Maybe he did. <laughs> no, he did not. No, he didn't. He's most famous for being a hymnologist. Wow. And for being a controversialist. Because I think he was always kind of fighting the church and arguing right. the church. He actually had a huge problem in one of the jobs. After he retired and went to Penzance, he ended up taking a job as a warden of Sackville College. Right. Now, when I read that the first time, I thought that meant that he was like the president of a school. But he wasn't. Sackville College is an almshouse for elderly men and women. It's a mm. charitable house. He was paid 24 pounds a year. Okay, but he wanted the job. He wanted it to be calm and quiet. But unfortunately, the almshouse was, you know, really in bad shape. He spent his own money to rebuild the chapel. And then he served in the chapel till the end of his life. He he put in open benches, no pews. (laughs) Of course. Yep. Um, He had a cross. He had a candle. And he felt because he wasn't like a parish church that he could do what he wanted. Mm -hmm. But no, the bishop of Chichester felt it was his duty to stop him. He was corrupting the minds of the poor people. Are you ready for this quote, Carrie? Wow. With his spiritual haberdashery. Wow. What's that? (laughs) I love that quote. Spiritual haberdashery. And you know what? Because of all of the problems, for 13 years, they couldn't have the sacraments in that church building because of his controversial views. I mean, he wrote so much. And in one of his poems, there's a line where he says, England's church is Catholic, though England's self is not. He wanted the Church of England to be Catholic, but the Church of England said no way. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember talking about this when we did O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but he also he translated other songs. Oh, that my we gosh, know. he did. Everybody knows Good Christian Men Rejoice. Yes. Of the Father's Love Begotten. Uh, Come ye faithful, raise the strain. Mm-hmm. And... He was good at music, right. so he actually wrote songs, too. We found that he wrote Good, good King, King Wenceslas. Wenceslas. Yeah, he's kind of an amazing guy in that right. he just did a little bit of everything. Right. And people write about him now, and they say that because of his great knowledge of the classics and literature and language and his great faith and the fact that he was musical, he was just an amazing translator. His right. works were amazing. Right, and I, I'm sure having that musical background meant that you know, maybe the rhythm of the yes, words, exactly. the emphasis of mm-hmm. the syllable. He he knew how to maintain sort of the original feel. Yeah, yeah. And so he died August 6th, 1866. Mm-hmm. And I love this. The Episcopal Church recognizes him and he has his a feast day Ooh. that's his that he shares with Catherine Winkworth. Oh, we love Catherine Winkworth. <laughs> I love this. It's on July 1st. which is the anniversary of Winkworth's death. And the both of them are buried in St. Swithin's Church in East Grinstead. I mean, I want to visit there someday. Oh, definitely. Where's our captain? Where's our captain? (laughs) This is your captain speaking. 
Um, I actually went to the website. The church is there now. It's swithin.org.uk. They have an amazing like video that you go to the Aww. church. You go to the website and this says, watch this short okay. history of our church. And in the history of the church, it mentions him. It mentions him and it mentions that, that him and Catherine are both buried there. Okay. And so for those of you who may not remember Catherine Winkworth, she was the awesome translator who gave us the English words to... Now thank we all our God. I mean, we loved that episode yes. back in Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so interesting that um, the Episcopal Church chose to honor these two translators mm-hmm. that most people wouldn't even know their no. names. I mean, those would not be considered household names. Right. So this is just an amazing story of how the message of a hymn Spans centuries, right. connects people from different countries mm-hmm. who speak different languages mm-hmm. um, across oceans and borders and brings us all together. We get this beautiful hymn and we are still singing it. I mean, I imagine many of you sang it yesterday. Yes, yes. You had to have. Yes. In fact, maybe we can do a poll and say how many people sang it Wouldn't yesterday. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. 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 All right. So for this performance we have to share with you today. Yes, we're is, so excited. This is just lovely. You know, it's, it's such an old hymn, old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to capture that that feeling, yeah, right? Because a lot of times we like to show hymns being right. modernized right. and updated. But this is being played on a pipe organ, Mm -hmm. being sung by a solo soprano voice. This girl is named Kate Templeton. She lives in Savannah, Georgia. She's a member of St. Peter's Church. She's been a soloist singing with them since she was in the seventh grade. She's minoring in music at the University of Georgia. It's Kate Templeton singing all glory, laud, and honor. Enjoy. Thank you. 
like that. Yeah, it's just such a pretty voice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are done. Mm-hmm. It's we are ending we, Palm Sunday, entering Easter season. Yeah, yeah. we so, can't wait for our next our one next week. Now. I know we have some Easter hymns coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, to end our podcast today, we are going back to the Old Testament. Yes. So this is Psalm one eighteen, an awesome Psalm of praise, mm-hmm. and we're going to read. Um, verses 25 through 29. Right. And this psalm, even though it's from the Old Testament, it really is talking Mm -hmm. and foretelling about what is happening when Jesus the Messiah comes. Mm -hmm. The people of Israel said, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, save us. And they were quoting from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Listen. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the feastal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good His love endures forever. We hope you have enjoyed this episode this Mm -hmm. week. We hope that you have just enjoyed the moment of Jesus entering the Mm -hmm. temple, entering Jerusalem. What a day that was. And someday we will all be united in glory, singing praise to him. Mm -hmm. Hey, I think we should sing all glory, loud and honor then. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Accept the praise we bring. Yes. All right. right. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see you next time on Him Talk, Talk, Twin Talk. Talk. Bye. Keep singing.